Welcome to Horrible Friends. We're a podcast about horror in book club format. This week we've got Tremors, the original one, and it's the month of monsters. We're we're doing all monster movies, I guess. And and welcome back to season three, or welcome to season three. It's crazy. We've been gone for so long, and now we're back. So welcome. Starting off, I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. I'm Mike, and I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And the way we're going to do this thing is uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about the history of the movie. We're going to talk about the plot. We're going to talk about the cinematography. We're going to go ahead and talk about you know, special effects and whatever else we feel like talking about. And then we got a spooky meter to round things out. So starting off, Dan, what do we got for the history? All right. So uh, Tremors came out in 1990. The director for this is Ron Underwood, and he's also a co-writer for this. He's also known for doing... Movies such as City Slickers, Mighty Joe Young, good old classic there. Nice classic I, horror movie. I love Mighty Joe Young. That's such a good movie. It's a great horror movie about a gorilla falling in love with a woman. No, I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear Mike tell it. Oh, it was just a very inspiring tale about a boy and a monkey, and the boy was trying to save the monkey from. Something I don't remember exactly, but I just remember giant gorilla, and that's all little Mike wanted to see as a kid. And the last movie is um, John John Stamos uh, in The Big Shot. So there you go. Uh, S. S. Wilson and Brett Maddock are also writers for this, and they are both known for doing. Uh, Wild Wild West, Short Circuit, and other movies in the Tremor series. I have a, I just, I, I feel, I didn't look these guys up, but I, I was tempted to because I feel like they're the same person. <laughs> like, kind of like, um, what was that movie? Was was that the Devil movie that we watched where it was like the same person was the writer and the director? Oh yeah, yes. he had like a fake name for his like director yes. and a fake name. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm very paranoid that these Brent Maddock and S.S. Williams are the same person, but I just which, didn't look it up. Which one's the fake name? S.S. Williams sounds like a fake name. I'm sorry, S.S. Wilson. Sorry, I said the wrong name. Oh, Wilson sounds like S.S. Anybody with the first name S.S. sounds like a fake name. Just sounds like a ship. Wait. Wait a second. No, yep. no, don't. <laughs> If I ever meet anyone with the first name SS, I instantly am calling them Bodie McBoatface. Do you think that we could? No. 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 The the internet? But what if if we could get SS Wilson to come to TugCon? No. Oh, no. TugCon is a thing of the past. Sadly, due to everything going on right now, we could not hold TugCon in good faith while staying six feet apart. I mean, there are some people that could realistically stand six feet apart and still very much be involved in TugCon, but I do not know any of those people. Well, I, I think it actually got canceled because um there was a doo-doo stain on the Wendy's mm. um, burgers. McDonald's, Sully, Wendy's, good name. <laughs> it was McDonald's. Hello, McDonald's. Do not sell the high-class Wendy's name. I do love my Wendy's. 
So from what I can tell, S.S. William Wilson is Stephen Seth Wilson. He's a science fiction screenwriter and known for writing and directing with Brent Maddock. So they seem oh. like two different people. <laughs> All right, so they're just they're just boys. They just they just love doing stuff together. They're just boys. I don't know that I've they're seen them. They're just two boys. And if you're boys who love doing stuff together, tongue come to tongue come. Just remember, we want everyone to tug uh, safely and securely. So don't come to tug con if you haven't been vaccinated. There we go. Wear rubber and wear a mask. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Um. All right. Well, I, I think the question now is: Has anyone ever seen SS Wilson and Brett Maddock? Brent Maddock in the same room? room? No. Nope. <laughs> no one has ever seen them both in the same room. All right. Uh, let me move on so we can get this movie going. Uh, other 1990 horror movies that we could have watched uh, would have been It, the original It uh, movie miniseries came out. Misery and Arachnophobia. The runtime for this is just uh, about 96 minutes, which is pretty pretty good uh, runtime for this. Easy to watch. The filming location is all in California, but is located in Lone Pine, California, and Olancha. I think that's how you pronounce it. Olancha, California. The budget for this is approximately $10 million. And in the box office, they did pretty well. They made about one point. Uh, sorry, $16.7 million. I can't even read my own handwriting. So the tagline for that is, they say there's nothing new under the sun, but under the ground. I don't know. Is that honestly that. the tagline? I don't remember that. Yeah, that, that's the tagline on the movie poster. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's supposed to be, but under the ground, there's tremors right. because tremors is right under it. But, uh, okay. I, but I, I don't, I don't know. So you know, you tagline anytime you use the name of the movie in the tagline. Mm-hmm. But Chris, Chris did come up with some interesting history for this. So Chris, did you want to share that? Uh, sure. That um, if for anyone that has seen the movie, uh, you can tell by some of the dialogue that uh, definitely some swear words uh, were dubbed over. Uh, they had a lot more cursing in the movie, um, and then they were going to get the uh, hard R rating, and they didn't want it, so they just quickly uh, dubbed over some of the words and uh, <laughs> changed it. That's why we would get uh, some mother humpers in there. Uh, also, that before they started filming, Kevin Bacon viewed this as like a low, the lowest point of his career. Later on, he was like, you know what? It was actually the most fun I've ever had like filming a movie. Oh, well, Kevin, do you want to do any more after this? Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> yeah, I was a little surprised by like the, uh, the amount of money that it made. Cause I remember thinking even as a kid, cause this, this was one of the earliest horror movies I, I remember watching. And I just kind of remember thinking, like, I'd heard the term before, but I was like, is this what they mean by when something's a cult classic? Like, I was like, I don't know if everyone would like this, but I know I like it. Yeah, and I, I will argue, um, calling this movie a horror movie is, it. there's an edge there. I, I don't know if it makes it in uh, to the horror. I guess it does. It's got a little bit of horror. It's got some monster you gotta fight, but I don't know. IMDb classifies it as a comedy horror, so. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I- 
I'd put it in the same realm of like gremlins. Like there's yeah. kind of scary ish parts, like especially for younger kids, but like it's like a kid horror movie. Well, right? sure, yeah. And and it gradually it goes from being like kind of horror-y, like that they've got suspenseful music in the beginning and to just not towards the end. So like I don't know. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to pass it off to Mike for our summary. So the movie opens with the most prolific movie actor of all time. And for once, we are not talking about Nicolas Cage. We are talking about Kevin Bacon. He is peeing off the edge of a cliff in the middle of the desert. He wakes up Earl, who is sleeping in the bed of the truck. The two men are out there, and they're repairing a fence to keep the cattle contained that are out in the desert. Uh, There are two hired hands, and they're doing odd jobs for various people around the town. It is while they're out here, they meet Rhonda, who's a geologist, who Val is not impressed with. Val's not, Rhonda's not the type of woman that Val normally goes for. This is immediately revealed with Val and Earl's dialogue to each other in the car. So the, the first scene, like, I was like, wow, product placement hard, was the long... Emmanuel Lubetsky Birdman scene of them just smoking cigarettes. Small. Like, it was, it had to have been like three or four straight minutes of just them trying to light a cigarette and just <laughs> small cigarette and just sitting with the cigarette. And I was like, damn, I don't smoke anymore. But God damn, do I just want to go have a cigarette? Are you smoking yet? Not a cell phone in sight. Just two guys living in the moment, sucking them down. So uh, Rhonda tells the two of them that she's get out there. She's getting strange readings on this seismograph that she's got placed in the area. Uh, we see Val and Earl driving into the city or the town, which is the town of perfection, population fourteen. <laughs> can you imagine, bro? Like, can you imagine living in a town that small? I don't think I've ever been to a town that small. Yeah, you could tell it was a town that small because when they were approaching Rhonda, like. Kevin was, and, um, sorry, uh, what's the other actor's name? Um, Uh, It's uh, Earl and Val. Earl and Val, they're, like, driving in a pickup, bouncing up and down, and he's like, he's going to have big tits, legs that don't quit. (laughs) (laughs) My man is, like, half, like, chub building as every bump goes. (laughs) Like, he is ready. And we pull up to her, and she's actually really pretty. And he's like, let down. He's like, ugh, whatever. <laughs> because she looks like a nerd, man. And she's she's so got sunscreen sun- on her nose. Exactly. I mean, that's like nerd 101. Yeah. Dork! He's looking good. He has his sleeveless jean jacket over his wife beater. Like, he is looking <laughs> fucking... He's dripping right now, man. And she just didn't meet the expectation. That's all. And you would think if you live in a town of 14 people, you would have, like, lower standards. Because two of those people are children. The rest are, like, either older men or married off. There's, like, only two other women in the town. And one's a single mom. The other one's married to a gun nut. And the other one's married to a doctor. So there's three other women in this town. And he's still got his perfect image of a woman that he's waiting for. Too bad. So uh, Earl and Val, they go to the general store in the town where they meet Bert and Heather Gummer. Uh, They're buying supplies. And immediately we see that Bert is the anti-government conspiracy guns and ammo type guy talking about all his preparations and things he's doing on his house. Dude, do you guys miss when conspiracy theorists were funny and 
like dumb funny and not just dumb scary. <laughs> yeah. Like wasn't there um there was definitely one in like Men in Black, I think, maybe. There's a couple that like show up in some random movies where they, they turn out to be like uh yeah, they turn out part of it is true and it's like, Oh yeah, that's that's funny, right guys? Part of it was true. The government, right? <laughs> and now it's like, Oh man, get out of here with your stupid conspiracy uh, theories. <laughs> The thing, the thing that happened that changed everything was you give these people a platform. Back then, they were just some crazy guy in the bar or some crazy guy wandering the streets talking about government nanomachines and how the dolphins are going to take over the world through the nanotechnology. But now it's like you give these people a platform and they're up in your face and spewing all these theories about pizzerias and the cabal. and <laughs> crazy. Yep. The government did release like, like an actual statement saying like aliens exist or like you know extraterrestrials exist, and it wasn't even the biggest news of the day. No, it and wasn't. Like, everyone's just like, yeah, dude, we know, you know, like it. I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. I want to believe. I, I want to believe too. I saw a story <laughs> the other day that Lockheed Martin has supposedly like like UFO pieces that the head of the DOD was not allowed to see. Uh, see, now, now I'm the crazy conspiracy guy. <laughs> <laughs> my platform. So, welcome to Aliens and Buds, and we're here to talk about all your needs. Oh, and I will say, like, regardless of how you feel about, like, the type of person he's portraying, I love his character. Oh, he's fantastic. He's amazing. Earl is such a good character, and obviously, if, if if you're familiar with the movie, you know that this is the first of a very, very long, long lineage of, of Tremor movies. I don't know if we covered it. I think there are five in total movies it's like and eight. a television show. There's like eight or nine, and this was the, the Burt Gummer character was the only one that has been in every single, every single adaptation one. of Tremors. So, I'm disappointed in Reba McIntyre. Come on. <laughs> uh, how how dare she but i mean god what a babe what a babe yeah oh. <laughs> you're not wrong i wish she hadn't left after the first one but don't you realize her husband was a gonna dedicate the rest of his life to hunting graboids so she's like i don't want to be around for this <laughs> i've got country music to sing I got country music and shows the host. <laughs> I don't got time for that. I'm at the CMT Awards in 10 minutes. Bert, are we going or not? Uh, no. <laughs> They're under the ground. They're under the studio. I can't do it. <laughs> no, I can't, Reba. I mean, I, I remember that Reba McIntyre top 40 hit. My husband's gone to hunt graboids. <laughs> Leave my hero alone in the bunker. I mean, who could forget that? No, no, no. Sing the rest. I like it. No, please. <laughs> Sing the rest. We can only legally no. use Yeah, exactly. No, it's seven. It's seven seconds. We, we don't want to get taken down. Uh, Mike, that was too close to real. So, but, yeah. Yo, I, I grew up in with a family who only listened to country music. And uh, as someone who was forced to listen to people like Reba, yo, Reba slapped. I gotta say, out of all the people that I had to listen to, Reba's music slapped pretty yeah, hard. It was it was three people because I was right there with you. It was Reba, it was uh, Shania Twain, and yep. it was uh, Garth Brooks, and that's it. 
Oh yeah, Garth was a big one. Yeah, I fall into those Garth Brooks holes. Uh, that you know, but that's for our other podcast, um, the Garth Brooks cast, the Garth yeah. Brooks <laughs> Garth cast. We, we have two listeners. It's Kyle and I. <laughs> Garth Brooks. Garth turned. Garth is a special guest sometimes. No, it's just uh his alter ego. Uh, was it Chris something? Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. <laughs> the entire listenership of that podcast is Kyle, Dan, Goth Brooks, and Chris Mr. Gaines. Chris Gaines. <laughs> Have you ever seen that picture of Chris Gaines that comes up whenever you Google him? Yes. He just looks like he's in, like, stained. Like he's the singer right. stained to, if he grew hair. <laughs> he's, he's like what your dad pictures a rock star to look like. Yes. <laughs> but then if he goes back to how does he transform like if he goes back to his garth brooks look he just looks like a fat it's, old dude but then he goes to chris <laughs> that that was probably my favorite moment in uh 2021 when garth brooks showed up at the uh the presidential thing where he showed up at the inauguration and he like waved at people. He was like, "I don't know what I'm doing here." And he started waving at people. <laughs> just like everybody, just like laughed with him as he was like hugging Obama and everything. That was. What, what, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> he sang a song and he was like, "Okay, cool." And he walked back in and was like, "All right, Obama gets a hug. Michelle gets a hug. Like it was so good." And then, and then all, a lot of his fans turned on him because they were like deep conservatives, like. What's this guy doing at a Democratic <laughs> presidential inauguration? We have we have gone twenty three minutes and at least thirteen of it is political. Let's let's well, keep moving. We, we got to talk about Garth. Completely Brooks. unusable. All right, <laughs> let's change the subject. Unusable. Let's change the subject. Let's talk about Chris Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to our Chris Gaines podcast. You ain't gaining on us. <laughs> I love it. So we finally cut back to Rhonda, who's in the desert, and the ground is vibrating and something is moving beneath the dirt. Is it a current demon? We don't know. After getting sprayed with septic fluids, Val and Earl are seen finishing packing all their stuff they own in a truck, and they're presumably leaving perfection because they're fed up with their aimless lives that aren't going anywhere. They're headed for the big city living of Bixby, Nevada. Is that 28 people, or is that still 14? <laughs> yeah. Double. It's at That's least. Double. Soon mid, to be 30 people. Mid-40s, at least. It is while they're leaving that they come across Edgar. He was shown early. He, he has died, and he's at the top of an electrical tower. It's later revealed he died of dehydration up there, and he had been up there a long time. Like something was keeping him up there. Elsewhere, we see a man tending to his sheep and his land, and something just pulls him underground. Yeah, that's that's a bad day, man. When you finally have had it, you're totally fed up. It's time to leave, and everything is getting in their way. I mean, everything. They literally find one of their neighbors dead on top of the tower or whatever, yep. and it just kept getting worse. Population thirteen. Oh yeah, somebody's got to go out and change that sign. You know, that the irony is it would be them. <laughs> we can't change this. Every time they try to leave, they got to go and like change the sign. <laughs> Damn, Earl, we didn't change the sign. That's we didn't count problem. ourselves. We got to turn back and take two more off. That would have been the best movie. I would have loved to watch the movie of the people who had to change the sign. Uh, so Val and Earl come across the scene of the man from earlier, Fred. 
Who's dead? Zed's dead baby. Val lifts Fred's hat off the ground, and we see Fred is buried in the ground. And that was a cool scene. It was just a nice reveal to me. Is that the farmer? It's the farmer. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So the subtlety used in like the, some of the special effects, definitely a big pro. So like the all the goats, all the goat gore around. God, we, we watch a lot of movies with goat gore. I don't know. Like Do Nick we? Cage. Yeah. Or, no, those were llamas. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, just, packs. Yeah, just large oh, packs, packs of animals being slaughtered. Oh, I'm sorry. God, I'm just disrespectful right now. But I mean, um, did you know that alpacas are best known for their milk? <laughs> well, yeah, here's what I do know, Mike. I love seeing a good severed head. And that dead head, uh, when they picked up the helmet, mm, I'm, I'm making like the French... The French like the wow. chef's kiss. And, yes, chef's kiss. I love it. So uh, Val and Earl they continue to leave town, and they come to stop because two men are working on the side of the road, and they try to warn them: "There's a killer on the loose. There's a killer on the loose." Because this is their uh, assumption going by finding Fred dead in his yard. Two men continue to jackhammer the ground, and they strike something. And you hear an animal scream, and blood comes out of the ground. Whatever it is takes off, but one of the men gets caught up in the jackhammer cable and he is carried away. The other man tries to chase and figure out what it is, but he's killed by a bunch of falling rocks. Uh, Valno come across this, and while trying to leave, something gets caught up in the truck. It is later revealed that this was the same creature that latched onto their axle. The people of perfection are all together trying to figure out what exactly this thing is and what's going on because they have the little tentacle, snaky worm arm. This is where we really get to start uh, meeting some of the characters uh, a little more deeply. And uh, if we didn't love Walter Chung before, we love him now. Because for 15 bucks, for 15 (laughs) bucks, he gets this and immediately flips it (laughs) and makes like 40 bucks, probably. (laughs) And, uh, And I just love that it was like this weird, rare meat and he was just like, yep, have to have it. Was it racist? <laughs> Is it racist? It makes, me, it makes me think of like the Asian market in Philly or something. Like the purveyor of rare meats. Yeah, I, I did. This whole movie, they, they kept on every other turn. They were like, man, that stinks. And I feel like this is a weird time in movie history, probably in the 90s, when they really, really wanted Smell-O-Vision to like magically start working because they just kept saying man this thing stinks every single time they came close to this thing if you had smell of vision what would be the first thing you would watch with it well, tremors yeah porn i knew he was oh. gonna say porn <laughs> why? i knew he was going to uh, why <laughs> i'd probably watch a chris Gaines music video <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, uh you, you would just smell hairspray and sadness <laughs> i would i would do like a, a great British Bake Off. That'd be great. Uh, blended. <laughs> Splendid. Do you, th- do you think there's a great British Bake Off porn? Hold on, I'll be right back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably. I'll have an answer momentarily. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Dan, do you have any, uh, any knowledge of this? Hmm? Um, I played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're no, a ba- I don't want to talk about my search history. Yeah, you're, you're a bakehead, right? I, I am a bakehead. I love Great British Bake Off. Let me tell you, when they do those porn renditions of it with 
Prue and Paul, I'm I'm all about it, you know. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay, so next we see a couple who's out on their property, and the husband Jim goes to investigate because the generator has seemingly disappeared. Uh, he is pulled on the ground by the same creature, and his wife flees towards the vehicle that's off to the side. Uh, once she's inside, she feels safe, but soon she is attacked by the what, be, what we know now is a graboid. And this, it pulls the whole car down on the ground. Dude, I've... Uh, all right, well, first off, I love these deaths. Like, with Jim and Megan. Like, I, I loved it. But I felt so bad for Megan. I was like, Megan, just get out of the car. Like, either drive the car or get out of the car. <laughs> like, it's clearly pulling you under. Get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that they... Um... They were like the the worst ones to see go. They they had just started their life. They were building up a house and then just gobbled up. And I was like, oh man, that's so sad. They, and that's it. What do you think that is? Is that are we down to a twelve? No. Uh, do we count no, the, eleven? Uh, what about the construction 11. workers? I don't no, know. They're not, they're not living there. They didn't count, right? No. Okay. Nah, they were just out there jacking it. <laughs> just jacking it. Yeah, no, that sucked, man. They're literally at the start of their twilight years. They're building, like, their dream house under the stars, and, and then, they, you know, giant worms happen. I, honest to God, I think this scene, this this particular, like, uh, death is a core memory for me. Because, like I said, I watched this very early uh, when I was a kid, and I will never forget that car being sucked into the ground. Um, there's no, like... And it's just such, I, I don't remember specifically the audio that plays. I, I just remember subtlety. Like, there's no swelling build. It's just exposure. Like, you're, you're just watching this woman, like, cowering in fear in her car. Like, the only thing she thought was safe, and yet is being pulled into the ground. The, the puppetry doesn't really even seem silly because of, the, you know, sort of the nature of the Graboids. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time we really see them. The, the snakes alive yeah and like just just because uh they, they did such a good job by like just the subtle things like the, using the slime to, to make them seem more natural i guess like the puppetry didn't even seem that silly just the right amount of silly so it was now everybody in the town is back in the general store again they're making plans to escape and get help val and earl are the ones that are going to make the trip and since they can't get out of the town because the only road out of town is destroyed. They decide to go on horseback. On the way out of town, they're checking on the doctor and his wife that we just saw died. They start to hear radio, and that's when they see the grill of a car underground. And then they start being chased after their horses are attacked. And we now get the full scope of the graboids or the creatures that are underground. They're chased, and... Eventually, the creature runs into a cement wall and kills itself. Here they find Rhonda, the student from earlier, and going by her readings on her seismometers, she suspects there's at least three other graboids out there. Uh, so I, I just love the delivery of, like, after it just, like, smashes into that wall, and it's just that short pause, and Val's <laughs> just, yeah, fuck you. Oh, I felt so bad for the horse. Yes. Oh, so the horse is so sad. Yeah. Fuck you, Kevin Bacon Bart is monumental. Yes. Love that. Love it so much. <laughs> and this is actually also at the point, now that Rhonda's there, they, they kind of take the time to introduce sort of like the anatomy and the science behind the Graboids. And I love science fiction, and I love science fiction even more when it's believable. 
and it's it's not just something that you know they they kind of glance over for no reason they explain how the graboids move through the dirt and and i i really liked they that they took the time and just add that little touch and i think that's one of the reasons why this genre or uh this these movies have been so well preserved in like the horror genre today i just love how they uh, figured out how long it is by just hearing val yell hey i found the ass end <laughs> so the while they're still out in the desert val Rhonda, and earl uh chased by one of the other creatures on top of a large rock uh, they're stuck there until the next morning because every time they try and step down off the rock, the little tentacles come out again because this thing's waiting for them. Uh, Rhonda comes up with a plan to vault from one rock to the other to the other because it's out in the desert. There's a lot of like remnants of boulders in the ground uh, to her truck that's nearby, and the three of them finally make to the truck and they escape. I thought this was a pretty cool scene. It just showed like the ingenuity and how... It would come into effect later as long as you're not on the ground. You can't be sensed by the graboids. Yeah, like they could still kind of like feel the vibration, kind of like know where you are, but still can't get to you. And we get our first uh, new love scene as well when they wake up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got Kevin Bacon cuddling up with, with the seismologist and he gets up. He's like, oh, oh, no. Uh, she's, she's like, like, oh, thanks for the jacket. He's like, uh, well, yeah. I was laying down with a nerd. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! <laughs> <laughs> so I once back to the town, and the, this the weather, pretty much the meeting place where everybody in the town has congregated. Uh, they're in the store once again, and there's another creature attack, and Rhonda's grabbed, but she's rescued by Val. Uh, later inside the store, the faulty Pepsi cooler begins making noise and then tracks all the graboids back to the area again. And they grab Walter, poor Walter Chang, and they pull him underground. R.I.P. 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 Ripadelphia. Yeah, that... That was a. Uh, I I saw that. Yeah, as soon as yeah, as soon as the thing started making noise, the what was that? That was like the the soda cooler or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as soon as it happened, I was like, well, somebody's going away, and I I I think it was Walter. I think I expected it, which is fine. Just so when like the the three people that run over to it are two main characters and Walter and Walter. Yes, <laughs> that is fair. I'm gonna go on record at, right now. Like we like we run a horror movie podcast, and I I'm going to throw this gauntlet down walter's death i think is probably in my top five favorite kills of all time i don't i i don't think i have any really specific reason for it i just <laughs> i'll never forget it i love it i don't know uh yeah top five yeah and there's there's a lot that happens in this scene um so first and foremost uh for any of our young listeners um, who don't have a lot of luck with the ladies, uh, I want to kind of recap something we sort of glanced over. Um, and it has a 100% success rate uh, on, on getting getting the pants off on the first date. And all you need is some barbed wire, some prehistoric subterranean arthropods, and long, gorgeous, silky hair. Pants off every time. Guaranteed 10-10. Ah, if it I, works for Kevin Bacon, it can work for you. That's a good point. There's actually I, some fun trivia about that. I've only got one of those things. <laughs> the barbed wire? The, the prehistoric. The barbed wire. <laughs> I've only got the barbed wire. 
apparently the, the actress who played Rhonda, uh, she said she didn't rehearse the scene. All she knew is that she uh, basically had to take her pants off in five seconds in front of Kevin Bacon, and that's basically all she needed. It was <laughs> the whole scene was just like ridiculous, though, right? It was just like it was like the monster was like, "I'm gonna get Rhonda to take her pants off right here," because like the next scene. She's got pants back on. <laughs> so it was yeah. like, it was a very pointless. I don't know. The whole scene just seemed very contrived. And I mean, pointless. To I like it. it brought their characters together. It brought them closer, and it showed uh, it showed Val's sense of caring side. Okay, when he's so, treating her wounds, I I agree. <laughs> but we could have did the scene without her pants being taken off. It just seemed extra and like unnecessary. How do you treat wounds with her pants still on? That's true. That's true. But they but they put her pants on. Afterwards, after she's been treated, yes, she's been treated, yes. Uh, okay. No, it's the it's a wingman, the the, the arthropod wingman. <laughs> the arthropod is a wingman. It's like, so don't worry, bro, I got it. Thanks, Graboid. Thanks, <laughs> Graboid. I appreciate it. I definitely Dude. saw the tentacle and uh, Kevin Bacon fist bump, like right before. <laughs> they were like, don't worry, bro, I got you. As they're running away, just ah ah. Oh. Just taps the dirt in Morse code for thanks, bro. <laughs> just dude nice you know what the <laughs> nice the honestly i think the best one of the best things about this movie is just how it has such like this universal studios approach because all the movement of the graboids under the ground so all they have to do is just like make things shake or little poofs of dirt and i love that man and i and i love like you know exactly what's going to happen but i i don't know it's it's still so entertaining and it, and it it really does give me that kind of like theme park appeal. The current method of effects uh, sands the terrible special effects. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the current method. Yes, the current method. So anyway, after Walter gets pulled underground and killed by the graboids, everyone else escapes to the roof, and we finally see our favorite gun-toting couple, Bert and Heather, again. They've been driving around the whole movie trying to figure out on their own what's going on. I think they were also uh, looking for Rhonda. Oh, yeah. They were looking for Rhonda as well. And I guess they were trying to find another way out of town. But they call Val on the radio, and Val tells him that the creatures are under the ground, and one bursts through the wall of the Gummer's basement, which is more of like a porch shelter. It's it's like a shelter. I love his basement so much. It has a wall of guns. Yeah, that that was an awesome transition. Uh, They they don't show that wall at all. And then once the thing bursts through, then they're like, they just back up against the wall. And it's just suddenly like a a light bulb moment of, oh, wait, we have a lot of guns. Yes, let's go ahead and take care of this. (laughs) I think it was also just like a, Oh, we have an excuse to use all of these. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There is ab- there's an in- undeniable hint of excitement that this giant monster has broken into their house. This is the moment Bert's been like waiting for. Oh yeah, he's been waiting for some kind of excuse to like go down to his bunker and use every single one of his guns because he has like this three foot long elephant gun that he's just trying to find any excuse to use. Uh, so back to the town, all the graboids start to tear the buildings apart with because everybody in the town has moved up to the roofs. Uh, one townsperson, Nestor, is knocked off his trailer, top of his trailer, and he's killed by the graboids. This is the part that honestly kind of bothered me, and and I say that with with the knowledge that I like this movie, but 
I found just this time watching it, I found it a little weird that like these totally blind things that have to use sound and vibrations get their kills all of a sudden understand uh, building structures and like can can like come up with plans even though they're blind of like knocking over water towers to affect the structure of the building and going under the building because they know that the people are still up there. Like, and it's not like there haven't been other vibrations that have been going on around them to make them think that the people have moved on. Like, I, I like to think of it as like before they could do anything when they were on the rocks, just because like oh, I keep bumping into this thing and the heart doesn't move. Oh, this sucks. And then with the buildings, they can like kind of still sense their vibrations slightly. It's like oh, I seem to be able to just kind of smack into this thing, and it kind of kind of moves a bit. I guess I'll just keep doing that. I love this movie so damn much, but I'll be the first to to agree with Dan that there are. There is no shortage of bottles. I mean, the fact that they've never seen these creatures and they're, they literally predate all history. Uh, and then at this point, like they're literally breaching the ground like dolphins uh, right after this scene. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, and and um, uh, when the tentacles come out and they're looking around for Kevin Bacon's leg and all he has to do is lift his foot and then put it back on the ground, which would create a vibration. You yeah. know, it's, it's just it's it's a little silly, but I, I love it so much. I, I don't even care. So everybody comes up with a plan. They're going to escape the town on a big piece of tractor, a big piece of heavy machinery because they figure it's too heavy to lift for these graboids and they can't destroy it like they've been doing all the other vehicles and the buildings. So that's what they do. Uh, Val makes a run for the tractor after he gets a distraction by everyone else and he makes it there safely. This is the way... Uh, Jarvis is talking about the whole lifting of the foot thing and putting it back down. Bert and Heather are seen making explosives on their roof. Uh, they're picked up by Val in the tractor, and they all begin to leave town together. They're going to go to the mountains because they're all solid rock, and they think it's going to keep them safe. However, just short of safety, they find out that the Graboids, I guess, dug a trap for them because that's something the Graboids can do now. The tractor falls into a hole. It can't move anymore. Uh, a plot hole so big, it stopped the movie. <laughs> a plot hole so big that a tractor can fit into it. <laughs> they're, they're adapting. They're learning. They're adapting. I have I have a line here for, I think it's that part where Val's with the tractor. And I wrote down, uh, why can't why can't the monster find Val now? And I was like, well, because he's a main character, and we need the movie to continue. <laughs> so, so it uh, clearly can't find him. So it's going to turn around and go away from him now. I'm going to need you to get way off my back about rules of this movie that we already stated before, and now <laughs> obviously ignoring them. All right, yeah, let's get yeah, off that thing. No, okay. I mean, it's kind of a shame. He's he'd probably be the tastiest one. His literal name is Kevin Bacon. So, <laughs> but I digress. I love this line. There's a line right when they're picking up uh, Bert and um, Heather, uh, and, but they're they're shooting the graboids from atop the roof into the ground. And I don't know why it's like it's like one of my favorite lines. But uh, he shoots, and she goes, "You didn't even get penetration, even with the elephant gun." <laughs> and I think it's just because it's Reba McIntyre. But it's like I'm not sure if it's a euphemism. I'm not sure why. I, like I don't know. But I absolutely love that line. I have no idea why. Can't explain it. One of my favorite lines ever. It definitely stood out. I appreciated that line as well. It was very funny. 
So everybody decides to make a run for the rocks and they're using explosive as a distraction. They make it there, but now they're all trapped and they begin to have a little bit of infighting with each other saying, oh, I didn't come out here to die. Oh, and then like it was uh, Bert was saying, oh, well, I don't want to just be here for three days and die anyway. I want to fight. So they come up with another plan. They're going to lure the creatures with by throwing rocks, making noises, like more like a fishing lure. And once the Graboids go towards the air, they're going to throw explosives at it. And this actually works, and they kill one of them. This is a pretty go funny ahead. scene. I, I really enjoyed it. it. It got me rooting for the characters, finally, because so far they've just been, you know, running away and not actually doing any fighting. And finally they, they get a, a, a leg up on these uh, these monsters. Because so far their whole plan has been, don't move. All right, move. Oh, I move on top of this building, though, so you're safe. Oh, wait, right, you're not safe. Don't move. And that's yeah. the extent of the plan so far. All right, now try and get penetration with the elephant gun. Hey, but you couldn't. Not even with the <laughs> elephant gun. <laughs> I mean, God, that'll never not make me laugh. Can't penetrate with five foot of elephant gun. That is a euphemism. All right, good. Thank you for clearing that up. So one, one thing that we haven't really touched on at all is their use of rock, paper, scissors to settle disputes. Yeah, and I gotta say, like, I've never been more, I, I feel like, like, this movie had a lot to do with, like, my political leanings, because I think rock, paper, scissors is the only form of govern governance that I think I respect from now on. And the best part is, as we see in the movie, if you lose, that's fine. Just elbow the other guy right in the duodenum and everything's cool. <laughs> you still get your way. It, it's a hundred percent effective. I mean, I would advocate for just going, making all your life decisions by a rock paper scissor game. Oh, well, they try this again with the explosive trap. The last remaining one, it doesn't work. The creature spits it back at them somehow, and it lands on the pile of explosives they have left and destroys all but one of them because it's convenient for the plot. How do they spit? Because the plot needs convenient for the plot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. We're no longer asking questions about, like, what would actually happen. I uh, need to get off my back about the logic of these prehistoric, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, dirt worms. And, all right, yep. And the shot, and, it, it made a perfect landing right on top of all the other explosives. Oh, boy, what are the odds? I'm going to need to get off my back about uh, <laughs> the way physics works in my movie. <laughs> I mean, this is why I love this movie, because it's one of those movies where it starts out somewhat, like, believable and realistic and grounded in reality. And as it goes on, it just goes off the rails. And, yeah, now these things could spit, and now they could dig traps, and now this happens, and this happens. So it just, it makes, that's where you get the comedy of the horror, of the monster movie in this part of the movie. So finally, Val, Earl, and Rhonda are all being chased across the desert by the last remaining creature. As it is closing in on Val, he has his back to the same cliffside we saw from the beginning of the movie. At the last second, he jumps out of the way of the Graboid, and it comes out of the side of the cliffside, I guess not realizing that that's where the ground ends, and it falls to its death. I thought this was a really good scene, because it just showed, like, you finally get, like, another shot of the... Actual size of these things, they looked to be about like 30, 40 feet long. It was cool. I liked it. Yeah, it does. It does add to it. Yeah, giving the like like an in motion dimension of the creatures. I just love the line of, you know, just stand there and they hit me. 
stampede. Yeah, uh, the the writing for I, I think I would say the writing is kind of weak, but honestly, it it works really well for the the crappy characters that that were created. You know what I mean? Like they're they're perfect oh, yeah. characters for exactly what they are. So I I appreciate it. It's bad, but it works. Yeah, yeah. It was perfect for a 1990 horror comedy monster movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't believe, like, I'm still going to go back through this a couple times probably, but I, I can't believe how much I like Kevin Bacon in this movie. Like, I really did like him in this movie. It was it was really good. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a bad Kevin Bacon movie. Like, every Kevin Bacon movie I've seen, he's been, like, spot on. Huh. Like, great in. I don't watch many films with Kevin Bacon in them, so there's that. And well, if you watch any film, you could connect it to Kevin Bacon within six steps. Yes. Yep. Bridget Jones's Diary. Go. Hmm. I haven't seen that one, so I can't go on with that one. So not yeah, Colin. I know there's at least Colin Firth in that. Can, can you link Kevin Bacon to? Oh, so, with the whole deal behind them, we have Val and Rhonda and say their goodbyes. However, Val. <laughs> Just, just no. The answer is going to be no on that one. Yeah, 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 just no. A simple no would have survived. Val after coaxing from Earl, he works up the nerve to go back up to Rhonda to kiss and have a nice moment together. And this is the end of the movie. What about Renee Zellweger? She's in Bridget Jones' diary. The wheels, okay. the wheels are turning. That's good. Renee Zellweger was in. Yeah, I'm going to give Mike credit before he We're starts. Do this. He's really good at this. Yeah. So, he's oh, usually yeah, very, yeah. very good at this. Do you want to write it down and then we'll come back to it as we start talking about <laughs> Oh, no. We should definitely just, like, trot along. Okay. For the next 30 <laughs> hey, we'll come back to it. While we figure this out. <laughs> this is real time, folks. This is this is why you come to listen to us. Is uh, the movie over? The movie's over. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, the movie's over. Okay, good. Yeah, which is which is great. I mean, the the, the movie was very fun. Um, but yeah, let, let's do some of these things, and we can talk about our, our deep rooted feelings in the in these movies. Uh, I I do want to say, uh, cinematography was playful. It was fun. I I enjoyed it. It was nothing. Okay, I got. It. Okay. So I only did interrupt you, but I got it. Do it. <laughs> you got Renee Zellweger, who is in Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise. Who is in an interview with a vampire with Brad Pitt? Who is in Sleepers with Kevin Bacon? Boom! Got oh, it. A bitch. Dang. The thing is, Mike. A quick Google search. Uh, you could do it in one movie. Oh. Renee Zellweger and Kevin Bacon started a movie together. Okay. Well, you got me on that. One. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> cinematography, special effects. I think is where this is is where we're all going to oh. appreciate it. It was all very good. Uh, well, like, uh, real quick with the cinematography. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, one of the things they did, camera going into the dirt as the first person view of the graboid. Oh, yeah. I thought that was, a, like, yeah, phenomenally was really cool. done. Yeah, that that was really good. Um, you got you got some good, you got some good, like, distance shots of them, like, running away. And that, that one scene where they're doing the, um, the pole vaulting thing between the rocks, like... It was very perfectly lined up with the three of them doing the pole vaulting at the same time. It was very like music video montage kind of thing in the very early 90s. And it, it was good. I, I, yep. I really enjoyed that a lot. That, that was awesome. That, that, that could have been any early 90s movie. That could have been The <laughs> Breakfast Club in the desert. You uh-huh. know? But yeah, 100%. Uh, it was such like upbeat and like bubbly music for that scene. Yep. Yeah, it, it was. They were just having fun. They figured it out and they're having fun. Um, Ooh, pole vaulting for our lives. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, it felt like that scene in Top Gun where they're all playing volleyball 
and you get all <laughs> upbeat music. I do have only one ding, and I and I hate giving dings to movies that I absolutely love. But looking at it now, there's one shitty green screen uh, that's undeniable, and that's um, oh, is that in the Bert and Heather? Um, yeah, in the when he's shooting it. Bert and Heather in the basement shooting the graboid is a terrible green screen scene. But that's fair. Aside from that, uh, I, I love the uh, the gore of the graboids. Yeah, it, it's like a mix of sweet potato. If you look at the scene where like it, ex- I think it's the one where it uh, it falls off the cliff and it it kind of zooms in on it. Mm. It's it's sweet potato. It's balloons. It's like water balloons and like latex innards, and th- and that's it. And it looked. Great, love it. Yeah, I, it was it was pretty gnarly, and uh, when it exploded, when, when one of them exploded, and it, it launched on that the the younger boy, I guess he's like a teenage boy or whatever. That that oh Melvin, yeah Melvin, <laughs> the fucking douchebag Bird Melvin. Rattle, there's no bullets in this gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> moving didn't it? That was a punchable kid right there. And uh, oh yeah, it was. Yeah, they they did a good job with him, but yeah, I think that when it exploded on his face, so it was, that that was funny. Um, it was a good use of of special effects and whatnot throughout the whole movie, and and they did a good job, kind of running with it without without much of a uh, CGI budget period and sound and whatnot, sound and music. I, I think this was the music worked out really well for this. It 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 was kind of uh, typically you know uh, screechy stuff at the beginning of the movie when it was in the horror phase as i call it and then the the, the comedy phase it really lightened up and just had some more playful fun music and everything so I, I like the transition of it obviously sound and whatever played a big part in this whole movie because you know you can't make noise so it was like yeah. it was like the original uh what was that movie with uh silent quiet place? place quiet place yeah there we go the original quiet place how's that can we correlate yeah. those i love it maybe <laughs> The monsters in a quiet place were graboids. Ooh, that, maybe is that is this the graboid verse or <laughs> the tremor verse? I guess. Yeah, this was. Uh, what many people don't know is a quiet place is a soft reboot of the Tremors franchise. <laughs> it's uh, replaced the, Kevin Bacon with John Krasinski. Oh man, I'm into it. <laughs> the, the, the Tremor cinematic universe, the oh, TCU. Man. I mean. With their like thirty movies they've made, they they already have. Yeah, it's already there. Never mind. But yeah, uh, I think that rounds it out for me, Dan. uh, Unless you guys have something else, you got a spoopy meter? Yes, sir. So graboids can we're gonna keep this nice and simple. Graboids can actually grow up to be thirty feet long. So uh, guys, in a Tremors movie, zero to thirty feet, how long would you like to see your Tremor get? If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I think for Spoopy, uh, there there was no there's no scared for me. If I were to correlate this back to my younger childhood days, like like we did a couple times here, I think I was probably you know pretty scared of of this movie. I, I do remember pieces of it for whatever reason. I remember the the shop and everything. I would give it. Uh, I'd let it get to ten feet. I guess uh, if we're gonna do spoopy, I think overall this was this was a really fun movie. I, I enjoyed my time with it. I forgot how much I liked it. It's it's a it is a classic. It's not even called classic. I'm, I'm I'm calling it now. It's definitely just a classic. And for that, I'm gonna give it a. I'm I'm gonna let that thing grow. I'm I'm going twenty seven feet. Amen. This has been one of my this is one of my favorite movies. I loved it as a kid. 
and watching it for the show. But it was definitely the first time I've watched it in a good few years. I loved every minute of it. I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, watching it now, as Dan said, like the plot holes, oh, they are a plenty, but I can look past them just for probably mainly nostalgia's sake, but also just the, how I don't know if I want to say goofy, but it's it's just a fun movie, and I love a lot of the dialogue, especially with like we didn't touch on him too much, but uh, little asshole Melvin, like the number of times that Earl and Valo was just say like you know do that again, I'm I'm gonna kick your ass, and finally when he is actually uh, attacked by one of the graboids, and just how. Earl goes, all right, that's it. I'm going to kill him. And Val goes, I'm going to help you. Like, that's one of my favorite lines. Um, the spookiness, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a foot. Just mainly for like the, the little bit of graboid gore we get. Overall, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to outdo Kyle a little bit and just go a full 28 feet. Uh, I'm pretty much on the same page as everyone else so far. I like this movie a lot. I remember watching when I was a kid. I haven't seen many of the sequels. Uh, a couple of things I did like, I forgot to mention earlier in the movie, but there was the young girl and she was always pogoing around and she was counting how many times she could pogo. At some point in the movie, her pogoing attracts the graboids. So that was cool. Another, like, this offshoot about her was she played the sister in Jurassic Park. So she had a history of monster movies. Get out. That is her, yeah. isn't it? Dude, good catch. Uh, I saw her face. I said, I know I've seen her somewhere before. And she has the same, like, face she, as in Jurassic Park. Like, most people do. They keep the same yeah, face. They keep the same face. Most people keep their most face. People. Unless you're John Travolta and Nicolas Cage Unless in a Nicolas fantastic Cage. film. Which we will be doing next year for our <laughs> cage year two. Nope. Just wanna just wanna stop that. Nope. Not nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. But yeah, overall spoopiness. This wasn't like scary of a movie. It is more leading into like the comedy and the ridiculousness of it. Like in the middle towards the end. So one or two spoopy feet. But overall I give this twenty five graboid feet of distance because you should at least watch this movie. You don't need to watch the rest of them or the TV series, at least watch the first one. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. There's actually, there's a funny line uh, when they're trying to figure out what it is. And uh, I think it's when they pull the, the tentacle off the, off the back of the axle of the truck. They say, uh, shit, for all you know, they could fly. And I just muttered to myself, uh, not for two more movies, but <laughs> Yeah, this movie it really did start something, something beautiful. It, it's it's super goofy. I I, I know we touched on that, but I I want to tell you like uh, I, I want to try to share my experience with this movie as much as possible. Kind of going back, I know we mentioned before like it, it you know close your eyes and walk through the horror movie section of a blockbuster. The covers that I'll never forget are Jack Frost uh, and Tremors, and I think it's one of these one of my favorite movie covers. And it's typically more synonymous with low-budget movies because they're where it's inaccurate to the film. Like, the monster doesn't actually look like that. And that's usually because they can't produce the desired, you know, visual effects and visual results. But And yet, I, I think the Graboid is, is better. Um, anyway, that's me nerding out about that. But I, I, I lo- I've loved this movie my whole life. Um, so, from a spooky sense, going back to when I was a kid... Uh, I think it, it has more of that sight unseen approach where the only scary parts are kind of, you know, when, when you know it's coming, you can't see it. Some of that can get you a little bit. So I'll go, I'll go like seven, eight feet 
just thinking back from when I was a kid. Um, but overall, such a fun movie. Um, I'm going to tie the current board leader here at 28 feet of Graboid. Yeah, I don't really have too much to say that everyone else hasn't already. Um, personally, I, I've always found like these early 90s movies to kind of get a little boring towards the middle slash end. Like it drags out a little bit. Um, and this is kind of one of them for me. This is my only negative. And it's that the movies blow their load, if you will, um, with their graboids, if you will. And I will. Of, yeah, please do. Um, <laughs> at the, so they blow their load right at the beginning with these awesome scenes. And then when in reality, they probably should have like slow stroked it like throughout the whole movie. So that like they had a big build up and then blew their load at the end. But so that that's my only complaint. But that's like more of a complaint on the overall early 90s, late 80s kind of horror movies that are kind of campy and silly. It's a very minor complaint. Overall, movie's great. I'll give it 25 inches of grab boy for overall and spoopy. I've never found this movie to be spoopy at all. So I'll give it a. I'll give it a pity three feet. <laughs> you and your pity ratings lately. Uh, a pity yard? It was... it, it's a pity yard is what we're talking about here. You're getting a pity yard from me. <laughs> yeah, that's everything that everybody has to say about this film for the moment. I will go ahead and wrap things up, which I want to thank Andrew Cavanaugh for our intro and outro music, as per usual. I also want to thank... Uh, Connor McLeod for our artwork. I want to thank Travis, uh, Travis Kaiser for doing all of our editing and coming in like a maniac on some of these episodes. I really appreciate it. And uh, I want to thank you guys for coming back and, and giving us another listen. We know we've been gone for a while and we really appreciate you coming back and keeping those automatic downloads coming on, coming through. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know how you feel. Let us know what movies you're interested in. We're on all the social media. And with and you can find all this stuff in the description of the podcast, which is also awesome. And if you uh, don't mind, Chris, uh, what do all the graboids have to hear today? Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. (laughs) 